Thank you, Matthew. My goodness, I love this church. This is a, an amazing place. You all are so blessed to have uh, Byron and Becky and Matthew and Sarah and uh, this worship team. You have no idea. You know, we minister all over. and Sadly, a lot of the places uh, just don't want God showing up messing up their program. But uh, that's not the case here at all. And that's what I love about this. Uh, God's really done some special things this weekend already. and So we want to try to take it to the next level uh, this morning. Um, I've got some... Uh, let me have a janky. These... Uh, a couple of things I want to give away here. Uh, one, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> is a, a CD called uh, Fulfill Your Destiny. A lot of people don't uh, really, uh, have not come to grips with the destiny that God has for you. I know the call of God is on every one of your lives. Some of you God has spoken to in the past, but you've not seen a fulfillment of it. And it's like you've been on the back burner. Well, I want to tell you something. It's never too late. I don't care how... I was 58 years old before I started walking in the destiny that God had for me. Why did I have to wait last 58? Well, I don't know. I was a slow learner, I guess. But, but thank God I began that process years ago. Those life experiences all add up to God's preparation time for us to ultimately come to the place that God has for us. There's a special place for every person in here in the body of Christ. So that's, anyway, that's kind of what we talk about in here. Who wants this? We, um, <laughs> you really want it. <clears throat> okay. Uh, this one is called Heaven's Portals, uh, which is accessing the supernatural realm. Uh, you know, it's an amazing uh there's so much out there that we need to come to grips with in the supernatural realm of the Spirit. And what happens when God shows up and how He opens portals, how the heavens are opened, and what happens in the process of that in our lives, and how we can tap into those special moments when God opens that heavenly portal over us that we can capture the moment and see the power of God released like we've never seen before. And uh, this one uh, is by uh, Kathy. It's Healing the Brokenhearted. Uh, This is uh, an amazing teaching, uh, giving some testimony to the journey in her life of God uh, bringing her to a place of wholeness from brokenness. Not only that, but what's so special about this is that there is, uh, it's two CDs. The second CD is mostly all ministry time. It's a live ministry session, so you can listen to all the teaching. You can go right into ministry time right there in the privacy of your home, wherever you are. And uh, it's just uh, it's something that can unlock the mysteries of heaven for you and catapult you into a place of intimacy with the Father when you get healed up from the issues uh, that have been uh, residing there for a long time. So anyway, who wants this?
don't you love it? Well, I do. I do. You know, sometimes we've got to go after those things that, that we want. We've got we to really pursue the things of God. We've got to contend for them, you know. Um, I used to, you know, when I, was, uh, when I was younger, I wanted to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <clears throat> but, you know, I could sit there wishing that I looked like him till the cows came home and nothing would happen. How do you get to start looking like him? You've got to do what he had to go through to get there, right? Had to pay a price. Had to work at it. Had to work out. Had to, had to go for it. Had to contend for it. And that's the way it is in the kingdom. That's the way it is in the kingdom. Man, we all say we want more, but are we willing to pay the price? Are we willing to step out of the boat, get out there, and do what God's calling us to do? I want to talk to you just briefly this morning about uh, the key to success in life. I said the key. I didn't say a key. We got, you know, ten steps to this and seven principles of that and all this stuff. This, I'm, we're going to go over one, God's one-step plan. You get this down, you're, you, you got it made. I promise you it's a money-back guarantee. It is. Brian will give you, a, Brian, a buyer will give you your money back. If, uh, <clears throat> That's right. No, I mean, I'm serious. Uh, what, we're talk, what we're going to talk about this morning is something uh, very special to each one of us. I want to talk to you about your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you, can, if you can truly grasp what we're talking about today, put it into practice, I promise you that your life will be radically transformed. You will never, ever be the same. I promise that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Everybody's in agreement on that. I can tell that. Okay. Um, back, in the, uh, back in the 40s and 50s, the great healing evangelists began their ministry through prayer, fasting, seeking the face of God, crying out to God. They would go into a meeting and God would pour out His Spirit in incredible ways. There would be great signs and wonders and miracles, all kinds of salvations. And after the meeting, you know, the people would run, whoa, that was awesome, let's go celebrate you know, what God did, let's go, let's go down to the restaurant and get something. And, and the evangelists say no. And they go back to their trailer and they get on their face before God and cry out for the next night. And they'll go in the next night and there'll be more signs than wonder. There'll be piles of wheelchairs and, and hearing aids and glasses and canes all over the place. You see, their ministries were birthed through developing an intimate relationship with the Father and responding to what God was doing in the heavens, releasing it right here on the earth. Now, unfortunately, it didn't stay that way. Because after a period of time, some of the evangelists began to get very competitive. And they became more interested in building their own ministry than staying connected with the Father and doing what God was saying. Want to get a big tent? Want to get a bigger tent? I got the biggest tent in the world. Want to get a radio station? I got a television show. You know, there was this. Con- in fact, it's reported that two of the healing evangelists got into a fist fight before one of the meetings. Sadly, most of their ministries did not end well, and their personal lives did not end well. You know, it's not how you start that counts; it's how you finish. And my desire is that every person in here is going to finish strong. You're going to finish at the highest level of your walk with the Lord of your whole existence. 
There's no turning back. There's no going back. It's going forward. It's pressing in. Turn over to Second Chronicles chapter 26. Second Chronicles chapter 26. And we'll look at the story of Uzziah. In verse 3, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. 52. How many of you know that if you become king when you're 16 years old, you need some divine help? Well, he knew that. In verse 5, he continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding through the vision of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. As long as Uzziah sought the Lord, God prospered him. He became a great king. He built fortified cities and walls and towers and had great armies. He he became world famous. Then in verse 15, In Jerusalem he made engines of war invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners for the purpose of shooting arrows and great stones. Hence his fame spread afar, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly. You see, he began to take on glory for the accomplishments. It was like, it was like all that he did was through the arm of the flesh that that because he was so mighty, so powerful, and so strong, pride entered his heart, and he began to slowly drift away from how he began of seeking the face of God. He was unfaithful to the Lord as God, for he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. You see, the motives of his heart begin to change He did something he was not allowed to do. He went into the temple to burn incense on the altar of incense, and and the priest caught him in there, and they said, you can't do that. And he said, oh, yes, I can. I'm king. I can do anything I want to. They said, you can't do that. They got in this big argument, and leprosy broke out on his forehead. Down in verse uh, 21, King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and he lived in a separate house being a leper, for he was cut off. From the house of the Lord. As long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. He became prosperous and his focus changed. He was no longer building the kingdom of God, he was building his own kingdom. One of the greatest tests that we face is that of prosperity. As long as we seek the Lord, God will prosper us. But then what are we going to do with that? Are we going to allow proud to get in our heart? Pride to get in our heart? No. No, we're going to be faithful to the Lord. We're going to continue seeking God to walk in His ways, to know His heart. God created us in His likeness and in His image for a purpose. He did not create you as a bird or a plant or a tree or an animal or a fish. He created you in His image and His likeness for a purpose. And that purpose is that you and I can have an intimate relationship with Him. That we can have fellowship with Him. It's all about relationship. It's all about presence. God God gave us in our DNA a, a hunger and a thirst to seek Him. 
And if you don't have a burning passion for more of the presence of God in your life, it's because you've allowed too many other things to get in the way. It's all about presence. It's all about the presence of God. And that's what I love about this church. Because this church is a, is a place of the presence of God. This church makes room to, for God to do what He wants to do. And that's why so many cool things happen here. It's all about the presence of God. We were singing a song one time and the words were, uh, I, some of the words were, I love your presence. And there was a lady in the back and, and she had a flag. She was waving the flag and she was singing, I love your presence. And she dropped the flag and she fell to the floor and she was weeping on the floor. A few minutes later she came up and she, she began to testify. And she said, while I was back there singing, I love your presence, she said, God spoke to me. God said, I love your presence you see god loves your presence god loves to spend time alone with you god loves that intimate time with his children we were ministering in uh, brazil one of the men on the team came up to give a word of knowledge uh, for healing it was in a, it was in a tent there was a wooden platform the whole platform started shaking, and I wondered what was going on. I looked over, and, and he was on the floor. He never gave his word of knowledge, but he was vibrating on the floor, and the whole thing was shaking. And uh, he, he was down the whole rest of the night. We had to carry him out to the bus. We had a little voice recorder, and we said, what happened? And he, he started to speak. And, and he told us that, um, that God took him up into his presence, and he had a, a, a box, a, like a chest, that was chained to his back, that was full of sin. An angel came over and cut the chains. The box fell off his back. Uh, the angel took him over under a waterfall. He was washed, and they took him back into the presence of God. And God began to speak to him and gave him a message to come back and tell us. And this is, the, this is exactly, this is word for word what he said. This is the message. Tell my people to wake up, to wake up because many are sleeping. There are many who go through the motions but few who have entered into intimacy and relationship with me. What God desires above all things is to have an intimate relationship with each one of us. What God desires above all things is to have an intimate relationship with each one of us. And out of that intimacy, He will empower us and send us out to reach those who need Jesus Christ. You see, the empowerment is a byproduct of the intimate relationship with Him. <clears throat> the quicker that we enter into this relationship, the quicker we will be empowered and sent forth, and the quicker the world will be one, and then He will come and take us home. You know, we're trying every, every other way to get what well, God just can be power. God, we're crying out and asking God for power, but we're not becoming intimate with Him. You see, the more we know him the more we know his heart his ways his thoughts his mind the more he's going to trust us with his power those who choose to enter into that intimacy now notice it's a choice those who choose to enter into that intimacy now he would come in fellowship with them and be intimate with them even now. This is the message that I have for my people to enter into intimacy through relationship. 
This is what God wants. This is straight from the mouth of God. The very heart of God is for intimacy with you and I. Turn over to Psalm 27. Psalm chapter 27. And I want to read verse uh, 4 to start with. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I've asked from the Lord. David, David, you know, when you're saying one thing, you're talking highest priority here. He didn't say 15 things I dabble at or my, you know, whatever. He said, one thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek. That seek means I'm going after it. I'm going for it. I am pursuing it. I am pressing in for this. I'm not stopping until it's accomplished in my life. One thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Not when I die and go to heaven. Right now. To behold the beauty of the Lord. To dwell in the presence of God, in the manifest presence of God, and to see Him. To behold His beauty and to meditate in His temple. Now, uh, Hold, hold your place. Hold your place right there. Um, I'm not going to read this, but I'm going to. Acts uh, chapter two, verse twenty-five is a very fulfillment of the heart's cry of David, of the thing that he was crying out above all else. In Acts chapter two, verse twenty-five, for David says of him, "I saw the Lord always in my presence." You know, we don't think about that that way, do we? We think about us being in his presence. David was crying out for the presence of God 24-7 every day of his life, walking in the presence of God. And David said, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. I love that. God did it. Then God spoke, we're back in Psalm 27. God spoke to David, and he said, seek my face. David said, God, when you said, seek my face, in verse 8, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. God is saying the same thing to every one of us today. He's saying, seek my face, seek my face, seek my face. We're so busy seeking his hand. For years, that's all I did. God, give me this. God, give me that. God, give me this. God, do that. God, do this. God, do that. God, give me this. God, if I just had this, then I'd be able to do that. And I didn't know what it was to seek the face of God just for who he is. God's saying the same thing today. He's saying, seek my face. And David said, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. There's a hunger and a cry in our hearts to seek the face of God. And uh, Jeremiah uh, 24-7, God has given us a heart to know Him. Our heart is crying out to seek the face of God. Oh God, I want to seek Your face. God, I want to seek Your face. But we've got a problem because our flesh 
It's saying, no, 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 I don't have time. I've got to be here. I've got to do that. I've got this responsibility. I've got to make sure this gets done. I've got to do that. And the sad part is what usually wins, our heart or our flesh. Sadly, our flesh. David said in Psalm 86, 11, he said, God, I want an undivided heart that I might fear your name. An undivided heart. I, he's saying, God, I want a whole heart. I want a unified heart. I want a heart completely yours, completely given over to you. I don't want a divided heart. What is a divided heart? Unfortunately, most of us have a divided heart. You know, we have one foot in the church and one foot in the world, and we like it like that because we have the back. I mean, we can do the Sunday smiley, you know, thing. And then, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're like a different person. We compartmentalize our lives. You know, we, we, we morph into, into to being like whoever we're with. And it causes problems in our relationship with the Father. God, I don't want a divided heart. I want a heart totally, wholly given over to you 100%. You know, if we seek Him, we'll find Him when we seek for Him with our whole heart. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. God is saying for us to begin to respond to our heart and not our brain, our heart. Psalm 46.10. In fact, I mentioned this uh, Friday night. God said, be still and you'll know that I'm God. Be still and you will know that I'm God. There's a condition, but there's a promise. The condition is to be still, to get quiet before him. And that word, those words, be still, literally mean to cease striving. It means to let go. It means to relax. It means to turn the volume of the world down and soak in his presence. And if we can come to the place of being still and quiet and put all of our focus on Him, the promise is that we will know that He is God. And that word know does not mean an intellectual knowledge about God. It doesn't say if we get still and quiet, we'll have a greater theological understanding of God. That's not what that says. That word know literally means an experiential knowledge of God. When we get still and quiet before Him, the promise is we will experience Him. No longer is God some theory or is He some distant person way out there in Never Never Land that we really don't know. But yet we can experience Him the reality of Him in our lives. He's resident on the inside. How many of us have really tapped into the reality of that? That we have truly experienced the manifest presence of God in our heart, in our life. I used to say my highest priority was to spend time alone with the Lord. That was my highest priority. You see, as a pastor... I was afraid that somebody would come up to me and ask me if I spent time with the Lord every day. And I was, you know, I didn't want to lie. And so out of duty, I spent time with the Lord every day. 
How many of you know that our priorities are not what we say they are? Our priorities are what we do. If you don't know what your priorities are, just make a list of everything, you know, for a week. You know, just log your time. Just, just and, and see, and, and there's where you, your priorities are. That's your priorities, okay? Well, you know, I said that, but indeed it wasn't my highest priority. Well, you know what I would do? I would, I would read, a, a, you know, a couple of verses in the Bible, and then I'd pray, you know, God bless the missionaries, God bless the church, God bring in more people in the church, God bring in more money in the church, right? <clears throat> There's a pastor speaking. God bring in more money in the church. God deal with the problem people in the church. <laughs> Amen. All the leadership said. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> no. Amen. And that was it. That's my time of the Lord. Listen, it's critical, it's vital that, that we read and study and know the Word of God, that we have it deeply implanted inside of our heart. It's critical that we pray and intercede for the needs of others. That's vital. Uh, intercessory prayer is a backbone of the church. But God wants more than that. He wants time alone with you and with me. Without us reading or without us talking. Where we learn to listen and to receive from Him. You see, communication is a two-way street. I was always so busy talking, God couldn't get a word in edgewise, and it took a while to figure out, you know, I need to get quiet. If I'm going to be able to hear Him. It's hard to be intimate with somebody you've never seen. It's hard to be intimate with somebody that you've never heard. You know, Bill Johnson said, I didn't marry uh, my wife uh, so that we could correspond by email or talk over the phone. No, it's all about presence, isn't it? It's about the presence of God. Well, I realized that I really wasn't spending time alone with the Lord. I was doing my religious duty. Because I was raised that way. And that's how you spent time with the Lord. So, I decided, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to read the Word of God. I'm going to study the Word. I'm going to pray at one time. But I'm going to set aside another time to do nothing but seek the face of God. I'm not going to ask for anything but more of Him. I'm not going to gripe. not going to complain. not going to do any of that stuff that I always did before. I just want to draw near to Him. I want to hear His voice. I want to experience Him. I want to experience His manifest presence. So I made the decision. Okay, tomorrow I'm going to get up. I'm going to go in my office. I'm going to lock the door. I am not coming out until I experience the manifest presence of God. I did. I went in there. I locked the door. I got down on the floor and I began to cry out to God. First, I said, God, forgive me for all this monkey business I've been doing. And I said, God, I want to connect with you. I want to seek your face. God, I'm not here to ask for anything. Nothing. 
but just more of you. That's all I want. Let, let me tell you something. If you get more of him, you've got more than enough. That's what it's all about. So I said, God, I just want more. I want more of you, more of your presence, more of your essence, more of your fullness, more of your substance. God, permeate me with your presence. God, fill this room with your presence. I was desperate. And do you know what? Within probably three or four minutes, my mind drifted a million miles away. I was not focused on seeking the face of God. I was thinking about everything else under the sun. And it went on like that for a long time. And I sat there, and I, was, I thought, man, oh, man, you know, this is frustrating. You know, and, and an hour went by, an hour of wasting my time because nothing was happening. And I thought, you know, this is stupid. And I thought, wait a minute. I said I was going to stay in this room until I experienced the manifest presence of God. So I uh, hunkered down. And I thought, okay, God. So I had to refocus. I was just, I, was, I began to cry out to God. First, I repented all over again. I started all over. Oh, God. And I, God, I just, I'm desperate. God, I've got to have more of you. I don't care about anything else in the whole wide world. Nothing. I just want you. I want you. I want to experience the reality of you in my heart, in my life. And again, that lasted a short time. And I started thinking about my to-do list, which wasn't getting done. And I, I came to the conclusion, this is a waste of time. It doesn't work. There's more important things I need to be doing. Two hours went by. And I was angry on the inside. I was frustrated. I was full of anxiety. And this time, God spoke to me. And he said, hey, wait a minute. I thought you said you're going to stay in here until you experience my manifest presence. And I thought, uh-oh. Yeah, you're right. I did say that. And I made the decision right then, God, I'm going to stay in here if I die in here. If I never leave this room, I am not, I am not getting out of here until I experience your manifest presence. Well, that's what it took. You know, that was a test. It was a test to see if I was going to stick it out. Am I willing to pay the price? I say, I want all of this stuff, but am I willing to do what i got to do to get it? So I stayed there. Three hours went by. Listen, let me tell you something. Three hours is a long time when nothing's happening. Okay? After three hours, I began to feel just the slightest little twinge of the presence of God. And I jumped up and said, yippee, and I ran out of the room. <clears throat> no, that's not what I did, actually. I said, God, that's good, but I want more. You know, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. That word filled doesn't mean, boop, he was there, he just filled the whole place up. 
That word means that he came in, but more and more and more of him kept coming in. There was a progressive filling. That's what I wanted because I had just a little bit. And if I got a little bit, I can get a whole lot more because he's there. So I said, God, I want more. I want more. I want more. And I'm going to tell you, in a short time, that room became totally electric with the manifest presence of God. I was consumed by him. I didn't want to leave now. I, I wanted to stay there forever. Everything radically changed in a moment when I began to experience the manifest presence of God. Do you know what I mean by manifest presence of God? It often happens when we're worshiping God in times of worship, just like this morning, where, where you, you know, you're worshiping God and all of a sudden you just feel His presence all over you. For some people, you, know, you may shake, you may cry, uh, you, you may feel electricity going through your body, you, you may feel so light you could just float away, you may feel so heavy you can't stand up. So for some, it's just extreme peace. It's like all of the cares of the whole world, everything is totally lifted off of you, and you've just entered into a whole other realm. Okay? The manifest presence of God, that's what we're talking about. It doesn't matter what you experience, whatever, whatever manifestation you experience as you come into the manifest presence of God, but whatever that is, that's what you can experience every day. Can you imagine what would happen? You know, it's one thing to, you know, get the goosebumps here, but what if you did it every day at home? Started every day experiencing the manifest presence of God. Now, there, that's what will radically transform your life. I guarantee you, you will never, ever be the same. Why did it take three hours? Well, I had to learn a lesson. I had to be disciplined. I had to pursue. I had to press in. I had to keep going for it. Did it take three hours the next day? No. It maybe took a couple of hours. The next day it took maybe an hour. Now, you know, it doesn't, it's like, boom, it's that. It's automatic because I've learned to practice the manifest presence of God. So it's, 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 like a, it's just like an instantaneous thing. And you can spend, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't take a long time either in the manifest presence of God. Because I have, I have been in the manifest presence of God, you know, like for 10 minutes. And it seemed like I was there all day long. So much can be accomplished in a very short period of time. Other times, I would look on my clock and I'd say, oh my goodness. I was with the pre- in the presence of God like that for two hours, but it seemed like a split second. You see, God's timing and our time are two different things. More can be accomplished in just a few seconds in the manifest presence of God that can be accomplished in your normal stuff in hours and hours and hours and days and weeks and months and even years. It can happen instantaneously. Listen, the manifest presence of God is not the goal. What? You just said stay there till you experience the manifest presence of God. Yeah, I did. But the manifest presence of God is not the goal. The manifest presence of God is the beginning point. That's the starting point. You see, the manifest presence of God is the doorway into the supernatural realm of the Spirit. 
When you're in the manifest presence of God, buddy, you are there, and that's where stuff happens. That's when you can hear His voice. That's when you can see Him. You can see what the Father's doing. You can walk with Him. You can talk with Him. That's when He downloads wisdom. He can give you direction in every decision that you've got to make. That's when the gifts of the Holy Spirit are stirred up and released within you. All kinds of stuff. Revelation comes from the manifest presence of God. All this stuff, not only that, but for years, I, I, well, two of my prayers, in addition to the ones I told you, was, God, I want more anointing and I want more power. And I cried out for more anointing and more power. I want to tell you, the anointing and the power is a byproduct of the manifest presence of God every day in your life, of developing that intimate relationship with Him you don't, have to, you don't have to cry out for that. If you've got more of him, the anointing is going to increase. It's going to be there, and the power of God is going to be released like never before. I promise you, it will happen. It's guaranteed, okay? You know, we talk a lot about soaking. I love this, you know, having a soaking thing this morning. It's awesome. You know how many churches that I know that do that on Sunday morning? Zero. This one, one. I know one. <clears throat> that devoted a whole, the first church service to soaking. Now what is, what is, I, I want to, I want to, let's talk, let's talk about soaking. What is that? <laughs> how do you do that? Well, you Fill the bathtub up and you jump in, right? That's right, right? Well, that's that's close. You know, let me let me clarify something. We don't soak in order to get into the presence of God. We don't start soaking until we are in His presence. You don't get wet standing on the bank of the river. You got to jump in. And when you jump in, you get wet. And then you start soaking. You got to be in his presence. That's when the soaking starts. Okay. You, you got a dry sponge. Okay. And you put it in a bucket of water. What happens? First, it floats on the water. Right? Doesn't do anything. It just sits there. And slowly, in time, it begins to submerge until it comes to the place of total immersion in the water. It comes to the place that every cell of that sponge is permeated with water. And what happens when you take the water out of the bucket, or the sponge out of the water, out of the bucket? What happens? Water just pours off of it everywhere, doesn't it? That's what happens to you when you soak in the presence of God. Every cell of your being becomes permeated with His presence. And when you come from that, you leak. You drip. It affects your environment all around you. Everybody that you come in contact with is affected by the manifest presence of God in your life. I'll give you another illustration. Uh, you, you prepare a casserole dish, okay, cheese, pasta, whatever, and, 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 you, and, and, and you serve it. After the meal, there's still some 
some food left in the bowl. You bring it over and you sit on the kitchen counter and you leave and you're gone for three or four hours. And you come back. Oh, no. You look at the bowl and the food is all stuck to the bowl. It's all dried up. It's all crusted, right? And so you get out a knife and you start scraping like this and it skins your knuckles all up trying and you can't, that won't work. And so you get out a hammer and a chisel and you start beating away at that dried up food in the bowl. Or after dinner, you can take the bowl, set it in the sink, fill it up with water and let it soak. And you can leave and come back three or four hours later and you pick the bowl up and turn it over and what happens? That's what happens when you soak in the presence of God. There's junk in your life. There's old crusty stuff, dried up stuff that's there. You've tried to overcome. You've battled it. You've done everything you can with the arm and the flesh, and it's still there. You've taken out your axe, and you have chopped away and chopped away and chopped away. And under the same circumstances, you keep doing the same stupid thing. When you soak in the manifest presence of God, And as you come from that place, that intimate place with Him, all of that garbage begins to just go right down the drain. It just falls off from you because it cannot stand in the manifest presence of God. The sin, the garbage in our life can't stand there. And so the more that we spend that time alone with Him, something's got to give something's got to go. Either we stop our time with the Lord or the more time that we have, the more the garbage gets out of our lives. That's what happens. Interesting, isn't it? I want to tell you, one of the biggest lies that the enemy says to you is that like you spend time with the Lord and you know you may have the goosebumps and the presence of God comes on you and all that stuff and you get up and you go about your, your day and it's like, well, you know, that was cool, but... But nothing really happened. You know, we've we, we got to have instant results right now. We've got we to see a tangible thing happen right now. And if we don't, we don't stick with it. But I want to tell you something. There's a cumulative effect that happens when you experience the manifest presence of God. When you soak in His manifest presence as a doorway to the supernatural realm of the Spirit. There's a cumulative effect that happens even if you don't feel like it, even if you don't feel like anything has happened, the more you keep doing it, the more that the cumulative effect is going to take hold. Listen, you come to a place where all of a sudden at a time of need, as you begin to give out, that anointing flows out of the deposit that God's placing in your heart when you've been soaking in His presence. He's downloading stuff to you the whole time. The whole time, and it's there when you need it. You stand on the street corner, you're talking to somebody, and all of a sudden you're, whoa. You're listening to the words coming out of your mouth. You're saying, that's not me. God begins to speak through you all of a sudden. You see somebody that's that's obviously sick or or, or seriously suffering physically, and, and all of a sudden there's that drawing on the inside. It's like... There's just a compassion to go and, and, and to pray for that person. And you do. And you go over and you, and you say, can I pray for you? And you pray for them. And they get healed. There's a cumulative effect that happens 
And the longer you stay with it, the more you're going to see the power of God released like never before. It's an amazing, amazing thing to see. So don't let the enemy say it's a waste of time, nothing is happening. It is. I promise you it is. And then when you need it, man, the gifts of the Holy Spirit begin to flow. The anointing increases. The power of God is released over a period of time. I love spending time alone with the Lord. It's, it's, it's the cry of my heart. I long for the manifest presence of God every day. I'd rather be back at the hotel right now on my face before him than standing here talking to you. Listen, I am a passionate lover of Jesus Christ, and I can't get enough of him. No matter how much I've got, I always want more. I always, there's always more. There's always more. You know, Jesus set the example for us, didn't he? He did. You know, the Bible says that Jesus emptied himself. You know, he, he became like you and I. But the Bible says that Jesus would often withdraw to be alone with his father. He'd pull away from the crowds. He would, he, uh, you know, he'd spend all night. He'd get up early in the morning. He'd go out to spend time alone with his father. Even while the crowds were pressing around. Now this this rattled my cage as a pastor when I saw this. You know, because I felt like I had to meet everybody's needs, had to be there, had to take care of everything, had to do all this kind of stuff. Yeah, you do that and you'll burn out real quick. Jesus, in Luke 5, I think it's around verse 15, 16, along in there, when the crowds were pressing all around him, he'd slip away to get out to be alone with his father. Whoa. Now, if he had the need for that, how much more do we? You see, what happens is that Jesus, Jesus developed the compassion of his Father. And the, the Bible says that when Jesus is moved with compassion, or look this up, every time, look up the word compassion. Every time he's moved with compassion, he did something. Something happened. There was a miracle, demon cast out, dead raised. There was a healing. Something happened. Compassion is not passive. Compassion is not feeling sorry for somebody or having sympathy for somebody. That's not what compassion is. Compassion is active. Compassion is the stirring of God, and as we respond to it, it produces results. Something happens. We miss out on so many opportunities because we don't have the heart of God for the people. We don't have the compassion of God for the people. There's so many out, you know, we look at the outward, we judge people by the outward appearance, God's looking on their heart. And the more time we spend with him, the more we have his heart, the more we have his compassion. We see people through his eyes, not our own cloudy vision. We were ministering in Medellin, Colombia, in this big, huge church, and this, uh, this girl came up after, she's 19 years old, she was one of the pastor's uh, daughter in the church. She came up to me and she said, I backslid, I got away from the Lord, but she said, I've come back. And she said, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do everything I can to get back with the Lord like I was before. And she said, people around me are experiencing the presence of God. You know, God's talking to them and all this stuff, and they're just experiencing all those wonderful things from God. And she said, I don't experience anything. And she said, what's wrong with me? 
And right then, because of spending time alone in the manifest presence of God, soaking in His presence, having the heart of God, the compassion of God, God just gripped my heart. And I asked her, I said, what do you want Jesus to do for you right now? And I knew that no matter what she said, God was going to do it. There was no question. I had the heart of God. I had the mind of the Lord. And she said, when I was one year old, I was in an accident. And a a piece of glass cut the retina of my eye. And she said, I have been blind in my left eye for 18 years. And she said, the doctors say, I'll never see out of that eye again. I said, God's going to heal you right now. Now, I didn't say that out of presumption. I knew the heart of God. We're talking about the byproduct of soaking in the manifest presence of God. I knew, I just didn't flippantly say that. I knew the heart of God. And so I prayed for her. I rebuked the spirit of blindness and commanded it to go and asked God to heal all the damage in her eye and to, and to give her perfect vision in that eye. And I tested her and nothing happened. She couldn't see a thing out of that eye. Now, did that discourage me? No, not in the slightest. I was not even affected by that. It was as though she didn't even say anything. It's like, it's no big deal. Let's pray again. And so we prayed for her again. I said, I want you to test it good. She put her hand up over her good eye, and she said, ah, I can see the outline of your head. I thought, that's good. Let's pray again. So we prayed again. Ah, I can see your, I can see your eyes and your nose and your mouth. So we prayed again. Ah, I can see your face clearly. So we prayed again. Ah, I can see farther. But it's all black and white. So we prayed again. God, give her color. Ah, it's all color. We prayed again. I can see farther. Listen, in a matter of you know, four or five <laughs> prayers, she covered up her good eye. She could read a sign. The church seated 3,500 people. There was a little sign way in the back wall back there. She covered up her good eye out of the eye that the doctor said she would never ever see out of again. She read that sign. I was back there like trying to read it with both good eyes. You see, God did a miracle. That was a byproduct of soaking in the manifest presence of God and knowing the heart of God for her and what God wanted to do. Now I want to tell you something. Did her life get radically turned back around? Yes, it did. And I talked to the pastor of the church, uh, this was, uh, well, just, just over a year ago. I talked to him on the phone, and he was so excited. He said, he said listen, that girl is still healed. She can see perfectly out of that. She's on fire for God. Everything changed in her life. We were ministering in Cuba. We were there legally. <laughs> Honestly, we were. We had, a, we had a, a, a permit from the U.S. State Department, and we had a religious visa to preach given by the Cuban government. Okay? 
So we were totally legal because, you know, it's a felony for a U.S. citizen to go to Cuba. But we were there legally, and we were preaching. And one of these meetings, it was a place that was just jam-packed. It was kind of a horseshoe-shaped balcony. I mean, li- literally, they were just hanging over the balcony, you know, looking down into, into this area. And the presence of God was all over the place. Well, we wanted to divide up our team, but we wanted to go pray for We just wanted to lay hands on everybody in there. So I told the team, I said, okay, let's just go, just climb over the pews and the chairs and go around, just lay hands on everybody in here. Let's just bless everybody. And so we did. I felt impressed to go up in the balcony and had steps around the back way and I went up and started over in this corner. I started going down. We're just laying hands on just blessing people. And, and, and I got to this old man, he was sitting there and I laid hands on him and I just prayed and blessing him, you know, and I was, I was looking to go to the next one and, and it was like, it was like my hands were stuck on the guy's head. And, and, I, and I thought, well, now, physically, I could have pulled my hands off. Do you know what I mean? But there was, that, there was just that nudge. There was that, you know, God's not through yet. So I came back over, and I, so I, I prayed for him longer. You know, I prayed for everything I could think of. And I kept thinking and looking at my watch. You know, we've got to get through all this, and there's a whole bunch of people here and all this stuff. And so... Same thing happened again. I couldn't let go of the guy. So I came back and I said, now wait a minute. You see, this is a byproduct of soaking in the manifest presence of God, of seeking his face, of becoming intimate with him. God had a plan for that man. My own agenda, my program, was to get to as many people as I could. But because there was that sensitivity to the Spirit, the cumulative effect was taking hold where God just kept giving me that nudge, and I thought, oh. So then I said, God, what do you want to do? <laughs> Brilliant thought, right? So, you know, I looked at the guy. He was sitting in this chair, and I looked over his shoulder, and in his hands he had a pair of glasses, reading glasses, or glasses. They, they were the thickest I don't see how he could even see out of there. It was like double Coke bottle bottoms. I mean, I've never seen any glasses like that before. And I thought, oh, that's it. So I laid my hands on his eyes from behind. I just put my hands around like that. And I just prayed just a simple prayer, asking God to, to heal his eyes. Took my hands away, and he started looking and blinking. Tears came down his cheeks. He grabbed his Bible. He picked it up. He could read it. His family just, they, they had started having a shout and fit. He, he went downstairs. He testified before the whole church because they all knew this guy. When we left the church, every person, as we were filing out of the church, he was standing out there in front greeting everybody, the biggest smile on his face. I don't need my glasses anymore. God, heal me. I don't need my glasses anymore. God, heal me. God, heal me. See, I can see. I don't need my glasses anymore. Every person that walked out of there got that greeting. Now, what's the difference? It's a byproduct. It's the cumulative effect of experiencing the manifest presence of God every day. It's not just for the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. It's for you. It's for the whole body of Christ. It's for every... Listen, this stuff is available for every one of you. There's a price to pay. Are you willing to set aside a time to do it? 1 John 4, 17 the last phrase says, as he is, so also are we in this world. 
as he is, so also are we when we die and go to heaven. Is that what it says? As he is, so also are we. Where? When? Now. Now. Because as he is, present tense, so also are we in this world. Did you know we become like the people that we spend time with? And that's one of the biggest problems with our children. They hang around the wrong kids. They start acting not appropriately, right? They hang around with the good kids. Their behavior totally changes. It's the same with us. The same with us as adults. We act like the people that we hang around with. The more that we hang around with Jesus, the more we're going to act like him. The more time we spend alone in his presence, the more his attributes are going to become ours. We're going to know his heart. We're going to know his mind. We're going to have wisdom from above. He's going to give us revelation. He's going to give us insight. I was a, I was a, a charter member of the Martha Hall of Fame. And I proudly wore my badge because I was relentless in serving the Lord. I could do it better than anybody else. And everything depended on me and I had to do everything. So that's what qualified me as a charter member of the Martha Hall of Fame. But you know, when Martha was busy preparing for Jesus, she got mad. And she said, Jesus, tell Mary to help me. She's left me to do all the serving alone. After all, Jesus, I'm serving you. I'm doing this for you. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things. You're overoccupied with all of this other stuff. There's only one thing that's important. For Mary chose the better part, to sit at the feet of Jesus. And when I realized that, I tore my Martha badge off and I joined the Mary Club. And I learned to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn from Him, to know His ways, to know His heart. And everything began to change. Everything. Listen, Marthas are necessary in the church, okay? But I want to tell you, we pastored for 30 years. We had a lot of Marthas. And most Marthas were like the Martha in the Bible. Outwardly, it was okay, but inwardly, there was the complaining, why do I get left to do all of it? I'm the last one. I get stuck with all the, I got to do the clean, I got to do all, all this kind of stuff. Listen, when we learn to sit at the feet of Jesus, the Martha job, the Martha anointing radically changes because we're not doing what we are doing because we have to do it. 
but we do it because we want to do it. The whole, our, 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 our whole paradigm shifts. You see? It's all about the presence of God. In Joshua chapter 3, they were crossing the Jordan River. Joshua took over the mantle from Moses. And they were giving instructions. And, and the instructions were that, that the priests were going to carry the Ark of the Covenant across the river. And the instructions were everybody else was to go after the Ark of the Covenant. And what is the Ark of the Covenant? Talk to me. The presence. It's the manifest presence of God. The, who's going to carry it? The priests. Who are we? All of us? Are you sure? Are we priests and kings to God? Are we carriers of the manifest presence of God? Do we have the manifest presence of God? In Joshua chapter 3, verse 3, it says that. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 4, the very next verse, the last phrase says, for we have not been this way before. We have not passed this way before. If you want to go where you've never been before, the only way you can get there is to go after the presence of God. If you're content the way things are, that's okay. But if you're not, the only way to press in for more is to go after the presence of God. And I said earlier, what I love about this place is this is a place where the presence of God is honored. May this place be known throughout North Carolina, throughout the South, throughout America as a place of the presence of God. May your home become known as a place of the presence of God. May the place where you work become known as a place of the presence of God. Let's stand up. Father, I pray that, <clears throat> I would pray, God, that this, that this message would not just go in one ear and out the other, <clears throat> but, Father, that it take deep root, that we can commit ourselves to setting aside time every day to seek your face, to stay there until we experience the manifest presence of God and to soak in that manifest presence as a doorway to the supernatural realm of the Spirit. I, I just challenge you right now to make an appointment with God right now. You know, when, when you make an appointment with a doctor, you do everything you can to keep that appointment. You, you put it on the calendar, on your refrigerator, you put it on your computer, your cell phone. I mean, there's all kinds of places you can put it now. You used to stick it on your refrigerator. <clears throat> and you, you you rearrange your schedule to make sure you're there because if you miss that appointment it's going to you know two three weeks later before you can get that appointment again how much more important is it for us to make an appointment with the king of kings and lord of lords and keep the appointment change our schedule and do what we have to do to, to be there 
The thing is, you can schedule an appointment anytime. He's always there. His sign's always hanging out. Door's always open. Total free access. He, call, he, just, he, he challenges us to come boldly before the throne of grace. Boldly, just step right into his presence and bask in the manifest presence of God. So I challenge you right now. I want you right now. Set an appointment right now, right now. Six o'clock in the morning. Three o'clock this afternoon. Seven o'clock tonight. Oh, there's football on. I forgot. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> let, let, let's make that, uh, let's see, probably about 11 o'clock before the game's over. Let's say 11.30. <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Do it. Do it. If it's 6 o'clock in the morning, if it's 4 o'clock in the morning, if it's 10 o'clock in the morning, if it's whenever you get up, that's the time. That's the time. It may not be easy to begin with. It may be really difficult. It may be hard. But I want to tell you, once you press through, once you press through that barrier and you begin to experience it, you can't get enough of it. You can't get enough of His presence. And I promise you, the very desires, the longings of your heart will begin to be fulfilled because your priorities, everything begins to change. There's a dramatic shift that takes place in your heart. And all of a sudden, you're on God's page, and your own personal agenda falls by the wayside. And no longer is it, God, give me this. God, do, I want, God bless this. God, do No, no longer is it any of that. But God, I am totally available. I surrender all. God, I want to do whatever you want me to do. I'm willing to do it even before I know what it is. God, I just lay, I just, I lay myself bare before you. And I want to tell you, you'll experience peace like you've never known it before. Peace in your heart. Peace in your mind. Things will start clicking. Things will start making sense. All of a sudden, provision will start coming where it wasn't there before. Everything changes. When you can come to the place of peace, a place of rest where you can enter into his presence, his manifest presence, the key is every day, not just on Sunday, not just when you come together as a church, but every day at home. That's the difference. I just want to pray a prayer of impartation over every one of you right now. People say, people say, you know, will you pray for me and, and impart to me, you know, that intimacy with the Father? No, I can't you got to get it yourself. I can't impart that to you. There's a price to pay. Are you willing to pay the price? So I can't impart to you intimacy with the Father. You have to develop it yourself. But I'm going to pray that God will open the eyes of your spirit, open the eyes of your heart, that you'll begin to see what he's doing, that you'll be able to tap into the realm of the spirit, that you'll begin to flow in the things of the spirit like never before. Are you ready? Father, I thank you for what you've done this morning, Lord. I thank you for challenging us for a deeper walk with you. To pull aside and, and, and take that time in that quiet, secret place. To get still and quiet before you. That we might experience your manifest presence. And God, I thank you that the manifest presence is a doorway to the supernatural realm of the Spirit. And, Lord, that in the supernatural realm of the Spirit, we have eyes to see. And so, Father, I pray now 
in the name of Jesus that there be a transference of that anointing to see in the realm of the Spirit. Lord, to see beyond the natural, physical world into the supernatural realm. Oh, Lord, I pray, open their eyes that they might see in the name of Jesus. God, that you'd pull back the veil. Lord, just as David cried out, that we might behold your beauty, that we might see you as you really are. God, that you'd remove the scales from the eyes of our spirit. That the eyes of our spirit would be enlightened. God, that you'd give us insight. Insight. Sight into the kingdom. Sight into the heavens. Sight into the miraculous. Sight into the supernatural realm of the spirit. God, that we can see what you're doing for the purpose of cooperating with that to bring heaven to earth in the name of Jesus. Father, let there be a strong manifestation of your presence. God, come and fill us up with more of you. God, we're desperate. We're desperate. Our hearts cry is to seek your face. So, God, we do that right now. We say, God, I don't want anything. Some of you have been, you've been griping. You've been, you've been crying out to God for a job. You've been crying out for money, for provision. You've been crying out for this. You've been crying out for that. Okay, set all that aside. And now just cry out to God for more of Him. God, I don't care about anything else right now. God, I surrender all. I just want more of you. I want more of you. I want more of your fullness, more of your essence, your substance. Permeate me. God, fill every cell of my being with your manifest presence, oh God. Let it overflow. Let it overflow in the name of Jesus. Come, oh God. Fill us up, Lord. More of you. More, 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 more. Not just today, but every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Every day. In the name of Jesus. God, we surrender ourselves to you. We say, God, not my will, but your will be done in my life. God, I come to the place of being able to totally give up. I trust you like I've never trusted you before. God, I come to the place of total trust and reliance upon you. God, I think that you're faithful. You're faithful, God. Thank you for demonstrating your love for each person in here, for meeting the deepest needs in the name of Jesus. shows me the main angel of the church and I just got a glimpse it's it's a female looking angel I don't I don't um, stumble over that because uh, in heaven there's neither male nor female so it's just to me it personifies the calling on the church and that's a nurturing church a caring church a mothering church but it was real interesting as I saw it I saw that there was a gold crown that was interwoven 
And on the crown, there were a lot of clusters of stars. Stars usually signify smaller groups or smaller churches that would be offshoots. See, it was in the crown, and so that's the authority level. So there'll be authority given to this church over smaller groups. Um, Whatever they are, I'm not sure, but you'll have to ask the Lord about that. Also at the time, and I've never seen this before, it seems like each time I see this, I see the uniqueness of the call on this particular church. I saw a wind blowing, and, and, and it blowing. And what would happen is, when I saw this vision, I saw the wind would be gentle at times, and then there would be a gale force wind. So my guess is you're going to go cyclically in and out of moves of the Spirit that will be quite strong when they occur. I'm getting a witness on that. The other thing I saw was at a point in time, um, it was sitting and opened a book, and I heard the book of life. So the words that will be spoken here will be words of life. They'll produce life in people. And it's really, really important. This is God's heart. Usually when I see these visions, I see kind of the heart of God for what he has for this work. And to, to, to have it happen, he's given leaders that have the gift mixes to be able to carry this out. But this is really important. There was a brown hair, which is a covering of humility, and a gold waistband, and a girding of gold around the waist, and the basic color of the, of the um, garment that it wore or wears is white. So that speaks of purity. So you've got a real combination here going of humility, purity, and of moving with the Spirit of God. And when there's a strong move of God, a receiving of that move. When it subsides, the wind is still blowing here. The wind is still blowing here. So, Lord, we just bless that. Lord, I ask that the full measure of this that we have seen, the groups that you want to raise up, the little stars from the head, Lord, the release of that in the Spirit. Father, we ask now that those who are called to participate and to be a part of this that you have called, we ask, Almighty God, for their hearts to begin to stir. Lord, that there would be release of the fullness of who you made them to be within the confines of this whole anointing you have going here. Lord, we release that now in the heavens, Lord. will release an openness to the winds of your spirit, Father God. And we release an openness to the words of life. We open the portals of heaven now in Jesus' name. And I ask that there be more angelic hosts sent. Whoa, there. Whoa. Receive it. To bring the fullness the fullness of what you have prepared for those in this church and a part of this church. Some of you are on the periphery. You're church-going people. You come on Sunday mornings and that's it. And I'm going to challenge you today 
it's time. God is calling you to start to get wet and become who you are in Him. So seek the Lord. I believe there's ones out there that you're in in the earshot of my voice. God is calling you to be a greater part because you need to come into all that God's made you to be. Accept the call. Just accept it. Don't ask how you do it. He'll show you that step by step. Some of you, I I heard the phrase going through some of you, but I'm not worthy. That's just not me. I'm not there. That's okay. You don't have to be there. You can just take that first step. I don't care what you're in right now. I've seen some of the deepest, darkest holes give up some of the brightest, shiniest people. There's hope in God all the time. He doesn't care where you're at right now because he sees, he looks at you and he sees where he, what he has for you and where he's designed for you to go. And that's what he sees. All he's asking you to do is to take the first step. The first step. And that's just coming and letting the leadership know somehow I don't have it together in my life. I don't have it together at all, but somehow I want to be a part of what God wants me to be a part of. That's all I have to say. Bless you. We've enjoyed being here. Lord, we just want to receive that word today. Father, all the words. Lord, the the message on intimacy with the Lord. Lord, Father, let's let's pray, uh, David, that Psalm... 27 verse, I think it's verse 8 where he said, Lord, you said, seek my heart or my face. And my heart said what? I will seek your face. Let's say that. If that's if you heard the Lord speaking to you, the Lord said, seek my face. My heart has heard you say that. If you've heard the Lord say it today, I want you to respond to the Lord by saying this. Your face, Lord, I will seek in Jesus' name. By the grace of God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we received the word. And by the way, that word she just gave, I just Judy gave me part of that word last week. Prophetic word about what she just shared. So, so I just want you guys to really know the Lord was speaking speaking to us this morning, speaking to our church, speaking to us individually. Lord, we just want to bless the oats. Thank you for them, Lord. Marlon, would you imagine lay hands on them right quick? Reach your hands towards them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to bless them with the grace of God, with the love of the Father. More love, Lord. Give them more hunger. Give them more desire for you. Lord, we pray for just an increase in effectiveness. We pray for their family, their their, their, their children, Lord, their grandchildren. Lord, we ask you to bless them and meet their needs, Lord. And their secret uh, requests, the needs that they have in their life, Lord, that only you know about. The ones that they really care about, Father, we pray today that you would meet those in them, Lord. You would speak to their hearts. You would give them revelation. You would give them the provision they need. Lord, we just want to tell you we love you today. We just thank you, Lord. Thank you for all you've done for us, Lord. You're such a good God. You're good. You're faithful. And you really enjoy, you really do enjoy being with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're going to end of the service. Uh, If you need prayer today, we're going to have a ministry team out here to pray for the sick.
think Jason